Hey, this is John Dervaz. Just a quick note before we begin. Uh, we're going to be trying to upload at least one video a week. Uh, this week we actually are going to up, uh, re release this a little early, uh, primarily because the person we're interviewing is actually on the November ballot running for school board. So we really wanted to make sure that he had some, our uh, people had some time to see this interview before making their decisions on who they want on the school board. So uh, hopefully you enjoy this next interview with uh, Joseph Shelton, who is running for school board, District 11. Hey, I'm John Dervage with Our Revolution Colorado Springs, and with me is Joseph Shelton, who is running for school board, District 11. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what that position actually entails and why you are running for it? Yeah, so the uh, District 11 um, for the Board of Education um, ultimately approves uh, budgets for the schools. Um, they approve any type of resolution that goes through the district, they approve those. Um, they're the ones who kind of set down the rules that those schools can hold on to, mm -hmm. um, things like that. Um, so they're the ones that kind of hold the accountability of all the schools and the superintendent. Um, so yeah, um, and what kind of what led me to run is a uh, I was a student in District 11, okay. um, so I was um, I lived my whole life going to James Madison Elementary, Irving Middle School, North Middle School, and then Palmer High School until I graduated. Um, and so what first of all led me to run was the fact that you look at our current school board and many of the people who sit on the board are ages above our students. Yeah. Um, and so there's not too many people that can say, I am truly hearing these students out. Mm -hmm. um, so I began looking into it because I wanted to make sure we have somebody who's actually hearing the students out. Um, you know, I'm not at their age range anymore, but I'm still close enough where I know that where they're coming from. Yeah. I know the issues that they're talking on. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the things that really got me going. Um, but the biggest thing that really happened was when uh, I was in sixth grade, um, I had to wear the, uh, my school was shut down. Um, I went to Irving Middle School and the school was closed and during that time, um, myself and fellow students, um, staff members, we all went to the board meeting mm -hmm. um, and tried to say, hey, keep our school open. Yeah. Um, and when we, when we came, um, we showed up with signs, um, and security had told us, your signs are too big, you can't take them in. Um, so we're like, okay, well, can we leave them in the foyer? And they're like, okay, fine, we'll let you leave them in the foyer. And so then we went to go sign up to speak, and I was the first student who stepped up um, and security stopped us again and said, unless you're 18 or older, you're not allowed to speak. And so we're like, all right, fine. <laughs> so then we went to uh, go into the room where they were having the whole meeting at, mm -hmm. um, and security stopped us again and said, I'm sorry, we don't have that much room here. If you would like to uh, see the uh, meeting as it goes on, we'll take you to a live viewing section where you can hear everything. Um, so we went to a separate room. We were in there for approximately about two hours, um, and during that whole time, nobody else came into that room. Um, and then at the end when we finished the whole thing up and we were going to leave, we found out the signs that we brought with us were actually torn up and thrown in the trash. Oh, geez. Um, and so being a student who went through that whole thing, went through the fact of um, being told, you know, you can't talk, um, it ultimately made me want to say, you know, we need to have our students' voices. Um, yeah. There, without having our students, there is, I mean, there's, there is no board of education. There are no staff members. There is nothing like that. Yeah. Um, if we lose all our students in District 11, we don't have a District 11. Yeah. Um, and so, ultimately, maybe we want to run because I felt we needed to have somebody who is hearing our students out, who knows where they're coming from, who knows the concerns that they have, um, and wants to work to actually address those concerns. Um, 
I think the, the current board has done a fantastic job of working to address those issues um, and working to make sure our students are starting to be heard out, but I think that there's more that we need to expand upon. Yeah, and it probably would help to definitely have someone who, uh, I would say, probably bring a little bit more uh, current information, because I'm guessing, what's the, what's the current makeup of the board today? Is it? So the current makeup is, um, there is, on how many people? <laughs> there are currently seven board members. Mm -hmm. um, of that, it is four females, um, five females, two males. But all like pretty significantly older. Yeah, for the most part, um, some of them, some of them are, I would say, probably in their early thirties. Um, okay. Most of them are into their forties, fifties. Um, and some are even into their 60s and 70s that they've gone to retirement already. Okay. Um, and nothing in me at all has anything against anyone of that part. Um, it's just my whole thought of saying, you know, these people say they know where the students are coming from, but they're not in their current situations. Yeah, and I mean, I think your story too about, you know, what happened to you, like, is that is that typical? Like, did you just, those meetings try to keep out students, or is that... Was that just like your experience, or is it? Because I, yeah, I can't say when I was in high school if I ever actually tried to speak out. I don't think I was brave enough or something. Uh, who knows? But yeah, I mean that's just that's all, that's really striking to me that they wouldn't want to hear from the students. Yeah. Well, um, you know when when uh, Palmer, not Palmer, um, Watson High School shut down. Yeah. Um, they did have it where they made it, uh, the students were able to speak, mm -hmm. um, but they only gave them uh, like. A minute to two minutes, um, which is barely enough time to address the issues that are going on. For sure, um, you know, um, and I think I think that was an, uh, the case that they did give everyone else that time, um, but that's not even a case for anyone to make their case. Yeah, you know, whether you're for it or against it, it's not enough time. You know, um, and so, and that and that's the case nowadays as well. You know, um, under Superintendent Dr. Gledich, before he retired, he did start a program um, called the Student Sounding Board, mm -hmm. which had students representatives from every single um, high school that came and met with him. They talked about the issues and concerns they had going on inside the schools, yeah. what they thought needed to happen. Um, and you know, I think that's a fantastic program too that has gone on. Mm -hmm. um, but the one thing I find having a problem with that is the fact that. It's only the superintendent who's at that meeting. Yeah. Um, there's there's sometimes some of the staff members will be there, um, but for the most part, it's only the superintendent. No board members are there. Yeah. Um, so you know, the students could say, "I think you're doing an awful job, superintendent." But the superintendent might come back to us and say, "Oh, they they said we're doing fantastic." Yeah. There's. Uh, and so I really want to make sure that at those meetings we do have a board member representation on there that our students are being able to speak out on their concerns yeah. um, and that somebody's actually working to address those concerns to make sure they are fully met. Yeah, I remember, because I, I heard you, you talk uh, at another, like I think it was a cabinet forum, um, you talk a lot about the bullying that happens in schools today. Like there's a, I would say, a, almost an epidemic in the type of bullying and like how students actually get bullied. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your, your platform there, what you kind of do to address bullying in schools? Yeah, so uh, biggest, the first thing I really want to do is um, I want to make sure we institute into our schools, um, every single school, a restorative justice program. Mm. Um, you know, um, when I went to Palmer High School, we had a restorative justice program. Um, and I've talked talk with teachers at Mitchell, and they say we don't have that type of program. Mm. Um, and ultimately, when someone does something, it's either A, it just go, they, they just let it go, or B, 
Um, it's a, okay, you're suspended, and that should teach you a lesson. Yeah. Um, I ultimately think what we need to do is um, instate a restorative justice program into all the schools where it's not only something led by the teachers, but it's a student as well. Mm -hmm. um, Palmer, we had it where there would be a teacher in the room, but a student led the conversation. Mm. And so it's it's kind of a thing of for the students by the students. Yeah. Um, so an issue that happens, you know, I think when something happens like a bullying case, you know, we need to sit down with both the students. We need to sit down with the student who's doing the bullying, the student who was bullied, and then have them both together. Um, first thing we need to do is find out why why are you doing the bullying? Mm -hmm. What is causing you to do this? Um, and see how we can help them. You know. They always, the statistics have always shown that students who bully, it's because either A, they're being bullied, B, something might be going on at home, yeah. um, or C, it's just there's something there's something going on in their personal life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we need to address that, find out what is going on that's causing this to happen, and try to support the students make, through that. You know, we, I don't look to say we need to suspend the student, we need to expel the student, um, because a lot of these students have something going on. Yeah, they might not be they a good, some sort of support. Yeah, especially if they, if they have something going on at home and you suspend them, it's like, well, they're just more yeah. introduced to that negative environment, potentially. Yeah. Well, when I was in, when I was in high school as well, um, or not in high school, but when I was in middle school, I was a student who my parents were going through a divorce, mm -hmm. um, and I won't lie, I was a very I was a very angry child. Yeah. Um, and it took having someone sitting down with me and saying. You know, you messed up. Let's work together to change this, and actually work with me beside me yeah. um, to actually do that. You know, I got it put into a mentorship program where they taught me what's how to how to fix the mistakes I made and how to learn from them and go forward. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important that we have that um, for students who may not have a support system at home. They may not if it's um, if it's a male. They may not have a father figure at home. Yeah. Um, so giving them someone who can help them learn that this is not what a man does yeah. and go forward with it. Um, because that's, that ultimately we don't, we don't need to sit here and tell our students, you know, what you did was wrong and it's always gonna be wrong, you know. Yes, what they bullying is wrong. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but it's not something that we need to be like, you are, you're gonna be done for, you're, we're not gonna work with you on this. Yeah. They need support. Yeah. Um, and same like with the student who's being bullied. They need the support, um, and I ultimately want to make sure we're doing what we're supporting them enough where they don't become a bully as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, doing that. Um, another thing I also want to do is I want to make sure any staff member who's kind of letting it happen that we hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, so if we have a principal who says, "Oh, it's kids being kids," or pass, or we can't do anything, you need to call CSPD on that. Yeah. Um, or where they bring the students to the into the office, slap them on the hands, say, "Don't do it again. I'll go back to class." Yeah. They're being held accountable. You know, um, we can't allow having teachers and staff members in our schools who are pretty much just saying, "What you're doing is okay." Mm -hmm. um, you know, I understand that there is no staff member who wants to see bullying happen. But there are staff members who are allowed to happen. Yeah. And that's something I think we need to fully address and make sure it's being taken care of is that we're not, we're holding them accountable so that way this doesn't continue. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you see a lot of like, you know, there's teachers who, you know, or your boys will be boys or, you know, yeah, just kids being kids. And it's like, that's not going to fix the problem. That's not, exactly. I mean, and it's, 
I, I'm, I'm sorry that that's maybe what happened when you were getting, or you were getting bullied, or something. If that's like a personal thing, but like that's not a solution exactly moving forward. But the other aspect of bullying I just want to mention or ask real quick is uh, cyberbullying, because like I always tro- uh, find it that would be one of the most difficult types of bullying to pinpoint because it's not done in the school, but it actually obviously still does affect the kids in the school. Is there's something that can happen, uh, a position the school board can take to help uh, try to like combat cyberbullying in a, in a school? Uh, I believe without a doubt there, there, there should be something we can do. Um, and I think it's something of with sitting down with our local um, local um, services mm-hmm. to find out how we can address that kind of situation. Um, you know, it's again one of the things of Schools, once it happens, schools say, oh, you know, it's not something we can handle. Yeah. CSPD needs to take care of that. Um, again, I do think that that's something where when something like that happens, we do need to sit down with the student and say, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And what can we do to support you from going away from this? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's been shown that, like, having, having a way you sit down with the student and say, this is the case, um, showing them like you know this this is completely illegal and it's harassment. Yeah. Um, it helps them kind of learn. Mm-hmm. You know, for some students they take that on and they're like, okay, I need to knock this out. Some students they're kind of like, okay, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, and for those students who say I don't really care, those are the ones we really need to support. Yeah. Because again, there's chances are something's going on at home that they don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that we need to look in on and see how we're going to support them so that way. It's not something that continues. Yeah. You know, um, make sure that we are giving them the kind of support we are giving them. We are giving them full on access to counselors when they need it. Um, we're checking with them at least maybe like every other week or at least weekly, depending on the student. Having it where we sit with them and say, okay, what is going on? Yeah. You know, okay, now has this improved? Has it not improved? And where do you feel you are? Um, but giving them some sort of support system where they can actually like talk openly. Yeah. You know, I understand. I know, like, in schools, we have the mandatory reporting status. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, as schools, we, we should hold that mandatory reporting status, but ultimately make it as well where we're not going to report every single small aspect, if that makes sense. Yeah. We don't need to sit here and say, if the student said, you know, my mom is a drug addict, you know, yeah, that's something we want to look into, but it's not something that we need to automatically there, call and say yeah. child services you need to go in there you need to take this kid away you know because then it's also a thing of how can we support mom yeah. you know how I, I grew up with my, my mom she used to be a drug addict mm-hmm. you know and never was there a school that said what can we do to help mom yeah. it was ultimately a thing of get the child out of the house and get it away you know if we, get, if we take the child away from their family whether mom's a drug addict or not that still can that can still harm the child. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think in order we need to be working with the students, support the student, and find out how can we help you, help your family, what can we do to make sure all of you are supporting all together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and kind of <coughs> kind of switching gears, another aspect of that I always you know think about when it comes to the local like education system or like the, the public education system is just how much we expect of our teachers now. Uh, and I of you know there are some proposals about you know in order to make our schools safe we have to arm the teachers we have to get them to be you know we have to have them be almost responsible as a second police force uh if in, in the horrible case there's a school shooting or any sort of emergency uh what's your your take on that like is there is there a 
are we asking almost too much of our teachers by doing that, or is there a better solution? Um, so, I first of all believe without a doubt that teachers are meant to educate, not eradicate. Um, the National Association of School Resource Officers has said that they, um, in order for the safety of the school resource officers, the safety of the students, the safety of the staff, and the safety of the community, they don't support arming our teachers. Um, and I 100% agree with that, you know. If we arm a teacher and there is, God forbid, to be a school shooting, and that police officer comes in through the door, what's going to stop the teacher from being afraid of shooting exactly. a police officer on accident? Um, Not so. all like Rambo and like trained, like, I mean, I, th I think about how much training needs to go through yeah. our military and even to a certain extent our local law enforcement. Yeah. Well, in, 2000, in 2014, um, we did the school board did pass a resolution that stated that uh, school security guards, mm -hmm. they could be armed. Which I, I agree with that. Um, they did make it where if they want to be armed, they do have to wear a specific uniform. And that specific uniform has actually gone out to all security guards now, it's not just certain ones. Um, every security guard, whether they're armed or not, they carry that. Um, they have to go through rigorous trainings. Um, they have to, at least once a year, they have to go through a um, training with the police department um, on responding to shootings. Um, I've been a part of those trainings um, when I was part of the Police Cadet Explorers program. I volunteered for those trainings and I watched these security guards go through it. And they go over every aspect of, you need to go in teams, you're not doing this by yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, how to respond when a student comes running at them. Um, you know, and we, we, it has really, I, I've seen some really surprising things that make me think, you know, these, these security guards, I fully agree that this, this is their job. They are meant there to be to, to protect the students. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a great thing that we're arming them. You know, and it's the, it's the, it's the security guard's choice whether they want to be armed. They're not saying all of you are going to be armed. Um, it's the security guard's choice. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, they have to go through rigorous trainings. They have to go through a bunch of background checks. Um, they have to go through all ends. Um, but then it also comes into, I think without a doubt, the security guards need to know that that thing is not to be seen as a trophy, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there was a security guard I saw one time. Um, he was the first security guard in, in school to get armed. And he walks into the library and was trying to make an emphasis of, look what I got. You know, he was reaching up high and he's like, Go back to training. You got some <laughs> dust up here. And like, I'm like, okay, you have a gun on you. Do you want us to throw you a party or something? Yeah, I don't know. Um, sure and so I, it's ultimately something I think we need to make sure our staff know, or our security guards know. This is not a trophy. It's not something to brag about. I I wish it wasn't a case where we had to say let's arm our security guards. Yeah. But with our, our how our nation is going today, it's the only opportunity that we have now to keep our students safe. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately what I think we need to go into uh, making sure our students are safe is putting putting the security guards armed. Yeah. And I think you know it's also one of those things where. I, you know, it what's the really, it's a, fa it's a fast response time. Yeah. I mean, because the cop, you know, police officer that's going to show up is probably going to be armed too. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and this is America, a, so most likely they will be armed. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you just kind of like get a shorter response time. As long as they go through like, you know, training. And that training could even be specific to 
that school, right? So, well, in District 11 also, um, with the Mill Levy override, um, they were able to place a uh, school resource officer in um, every high school and middle school, um, which is a fantastic thing. Before, it happened to be where um, the school resource officer was sharing maybe two high schools and then having a middle school as well. Yeah. Um, and so if something happened at a middle school, they had to leave the high school in order to go to the middle school. Um, and so now it happens where every single middle school in District 11 and every single high school in District 11 has their own individual school resource officer who is on there, who is in that school every day of the week, um, or every school day of the week, during the same times that the students are. Um, which is, which I think is a fantastic thing, you know. Um, it adds more protection to the schools, where if, again, God forbid, we do have a school shooting, there's at least one officer already on scene. Um, and it's not something of, you know, there are schools like Palmer High School. They're lucky because they have the police operations center right down the road. But Mitchell High School, Dory High School, Coronado, they're not really near the police operations center or police stations. So if there is to be a shooting, they're going to be waiting a little bit before those officers arrive. Yeah, I think the, the other aspect I always look or think about with this too is having the uh, your counselors available for students. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm not sure, is that something that is current? Currently happening in District 11. Um, so anytime um, any major situation happens, they always um, have um, counselors on call mm-hmm. that they bring in. Um, they have a, I believe, a program with Aspen partner with Aspen Point. Yeah. Um, so there was like about I want to say two or three years ago, uh, a student at Doherty High School actually um, shot himself in the bathroom yeah. um, and committed suicide in the bathroom, um, and the school called in. Um, extra counselors to be there for any students who needed support. Um, and I think that's, again, something we really need to have um, opportunities for in all schools where anytime there's any sort of situation, whether it's inside the school or outside the school, these counselors are ready for it. How about, like, for before any sort of incident happens, though, like, is there, are there counselors available, like, say, a student does have, like, a, you know, mental health crisis and needs to talk to someone, like, a lot of times they're not comfortable talking to their parents or their friends or, or what, like, is there, are there counselors available in the school system now that people or students can talk to? Um, so there are, um, they, we do have, um, counselors in all the schools, um, but the one problem is, again, um, we have it so hard where these counselors, um, at Palmer, I think we had about five or six counselors, mm-hmm. and those counselors oversaw about 200 to 300 students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if during a time of need, um, you know, you need to go talk to someone, yeah. they would pretty much be like, well, your counselor is working on their suit right now, and you need to wait. Yeah. Um, and so I do, I do, um, they did also make aware, like, if you did have um, have the opportunity to say, do you need to speak to another counselor? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were ultimately certain, like, you know, I want to talk to this counselor, yeah. the counselor wasn't available, you either have to wait, or they call you out of class later on when the counselor was available. Um, and so and that's and that's a hard thing because we don't obviously don't want to go in on another student who's in support and be like, hey, we're cutting you off now yeah. because another student needs this. Yeah. Um, but I do think we also need to look further into, it, it's ultimately also I think we need to bring in, um, looking into having support systems of teachers in the office as well. Yeah. You know, um, students, they, they grow to trust their teachers. They grow to be someone who is close with these teachers. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to make sure that when there's situations arising, mm-hmm. um, our teachers are not just saying, 
I'm throwing this onto you now. Yeah. But that they're going with the student. They're with the student during this time. And, you know, if it's a fact of, hey, I'm going to end up missing one of my classes, yeah. we can get you a substitute in there. But as a teacher, as, as a student, the teacher that the student trusts, yeah. and you, they trust you enough to come to you and say, I have this going on, um, it's ultimately, it, we can't have you sitting there and be like, okay, well, now I'm going to pass this on to someone else so I can go do my class. Yeah. It's important that you teach your class, yes, but we need to make sure that you, your student is feeling like they have a good support system, that they, they are welcome to be with you. Yeah. Um, and ultimately being with you might be their comfort zone. Yeah. So... All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back in a little bit to continue talking uh, to Josha Selton, who's running for uh, school board district 11. Thank you. Hey, this is John again. Uh, just a quick reminder that Our Revolution Colorado Springs is 100% uh, donation-based and volunteer-based. So if you want to get involved, you can find us on Facebook at OurRevolutionColoradoSprings.com or at our website, OurRevolutionCS.com. And feel free to join in our meetings or any of our events that we have planned. We have a few uh, canvassing events for Bernie Sanders coming up in October, and we're definitely going to have more of that in November as well. So feel free to reach out to us uh, or d- donate. You can donate at uh, Our Revolution Colorado Springs on Act Blue or at PayPal. And, you know, thanks again for, for listening to these interviews, and hopefully you're enjoying them. Uh, again, any feedback is welcome as well. You can feel free to post that on our Facebook page or uh, reach out through our email. So. Uh, thanks again. Hopefully you enjoy the second half of this interview with Joseph Shelton, who is on the current ballot in November 2019, running for school board, District 11. Yeah, so there's uh, the uh, another, so, something else I've heard from other, you know, talking to other people is uh, a sh- the shortages of teachers in this district. About our, and just and really, like you could say it's shortages of teachers in America. Um, and there's a lot of proposals about how we get more teachers. Um, how is District 11 handling that? One, is there a problem of a shortage of teachers in District 11? And if there is, how are we, hand, or how are we handling that? How is the school board handling that? Yeah, so um, this, I guess the most yeah, that it comes from is it's not a shortage of teachers, but a shortage of students. Um, so we have lost over the last about year, we have lost up to about almost eight, um, 1,800 students. Um, which ultimately led to the layoff of about 150 staff members, um, which consisted of um, the principals, the counselors, the teachers, the nurses. Um, it consisted of all areas. It wasn't just one certain area. Um, and so I, I believe without a doubt, um, first of all, that teachers, um, let me start with teachers need to be given a livable, a fair and livable wage. Um, but as well, the reasons that we're losing teachers as well, um, because it is a student, it is a student problem. Um, I've the fact that we're losing a lot of students, but it is also a fact of um, we are trying to give them a fair, and a livable wage, but we can only give so much. Um, you know, we have recently had it last year during all the teacher strikes. Yeah. Um, the district did approve to give District 11 teachers. Um, a uh, raise, yeah. Um, so teachers got more money, but it still wasn't. It's still not enough, really. Yeah. Um, so a lot of teachers are still going through a lot of hard times. Um, you know, we're packing their classrooms full. Um, where, when they get all these this homework back, they're having to take. They're 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 staying up until two or three in the morning grading homework. Um, you know, they have a family of their own, so they they're able to really take care of their own family. Like, 
it's we're putting too much pressure on our teachers. Yeah. Um, and so one of the first things I really want to do is, first of all, with that issue of the homework, um, to take a load off the teachers. I really support bringing in um, modern education tools, um, whether it be iPads, Kindles, something like that, where the student can take that home with them, um, and it's something they can use. Um, use it for homework. Yeah. Um, use it for. Thing, things like that. Um, and it's, I, I see it as something that could be very successful because it can ultimately happen where you turn that homework in and it's graded right then and there and all yeah. the teacher has to do is put it into the book. Um, so I think that's something that would show very successful. Um, I do understand that there's going to be some aspects of it that we'd have to look into of students. What about students who are homeless? Yeah. Um, what about students? How, how are we going to keep students from not using it to get on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there are aspects that we do want to look into of how we're going to keep it, make sure it's used for the appropriate aspects. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely want to look further on how we can do that. Um, but I think that's one of the first things that we can do to support our teachers, um, where they're not having to take homework home on the weekends. Yeah. They're not having to spend their Christmas grading final tests to make sure it gets into the book on time. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice, um, there's always, I don't remember what the statistic is, but like they're not working a 40-hour week. Uh, they're definitely working a lot more than that. Uh, I know Bernie Sanders' platform is to give a teacher, uh, the starting salary would be $60,000, which is, I think, a lot higher, I would argue, I have to, again, I have to look at the statistics, but I, I guess it's a lot higher than what the national average is Yeah, uh, most, almost every state uh, and every district. So, yeah, and the other aspect you, you mentioned, too, is like just crowding of classrooms. Others, you know, what's the current like teacher per student ratio right now? So it, it ultimately depends on the classroom mm -hmm. um, and what class is being taught. Um, it can range from anywhere from 30 students to 50 students. Um, and it also depends on the school. Um, it just, yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely in too much of an overcrowding. Um, you know, it's ultimately coming down to the case of where some classrooms are overheating, even with an AC going, because of how many students they have. Yeah. Um, and so with that also, I, I I would really support working with our local colleges of Colorado College, UCCS, PBCC finding students who are wanting to obtain a teaching license, who want to become teachers in the future, um, and putting them into the classrooms. Yeah. Um, so then, first of all, I know that won't stop the overcrowding, but it gives um, the students a chance of a one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Yeah. Um, they can ask the questions that they have, and they don't have to, when they go to ask a question, they don't have to wait for the teacher to finish with another student. Um, Honestly, I mean, like, that is very, I mean, especially in high school, like, that is how college works. Yeah. So that was my experience where, I mean, I, I had a few, you know, meetings with the professor of the class, but most of all of my questions went right to the teaching assistant at TA. So, I mean, I think that that also made the parallel for college, the college setting, at least like yeah. the public college setting that I was, uh, that I experienced, so... Uh, well, and doing teachers' aides in the classrooms won't just help the teachers out, it won't just help the students out, but it also does help the students who yeah. are in college, because then they get that opportunity of saying, first of all, this is how the classroom works, this is how it's going to be when I get in. They get that opportunity of sitting with the students, working with the students, knowing exactly what they're getting into before they even have to take that step of getting into it. Yeah. Yeah, another aspect, uh, it, how much does the school board play into uh, the curriculum that's taught? Uh, I, we're, I had an interview, again, we're talking to uh, Jillian 
Freeland, who was, uh, we, were, we were talking about sexual education and about how, you know, different differences of experiences and how um, really there needs to be, a, I'd argue, a shift, uh, at least the way that I was taught, which was absence only. Yeah. Um, how much does the school board actually play into that conversation? So the school board, um, we have, we have the, they, they, we have certain aspects that we can go from. Um, most of the decisions on what fully is taught comes from the State Board of Education. Um, they're the ones who lay down the curriculum and say, this is how many hours your classroom, this is how many math hours this, this school should get, this is how much reading, writing, science. Um, so they lay that part down. Um, we're the ones who lay down saying what exactly a school um, a student needs to graduate. Okay. Um, when it comes down to sex ed, um, District 11 um, currently, um, in 2019, um, or in 2019, but oh, yeah. a few months ago, uh, a bill was passed that was House Bill 1910-32, which is for comprehensive sex sex education. Okay. Um, and so ultimately, what this means is that any school that wanted to have sex ed had to teach further than abstinence only. So they had to t- they had to talk about the use of condoms. They had to talk about the use of birth control. They had to talk through all of that. Um, they had to go through LGBT issues. Um, it couldn't just be one quick second of this is what LGBT stands for. Um, LGBT people can get it too. And all right, now we're moving on to the next. Yeah, topic. like our. It actually has to be a focus thing. I don't think our my high school sexual education even mentioned that. Like yeah. anything about LGBT, it was always heterosexual relationships. And you shouldn't do it. <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. have it. So, um, I, I mean, that sounds like a step in the right direction. Was, is that something that District 11 has been implementing? Yeah, so um, District 11 actually already had a work session on this, talking about what they, how it's going. Um, and they've already kind of, they've always had that kind of in place. Um, mm-hmm. They have said that there are a few things that they need to fix and change a little bit. Um, but for the most part, every single part of that has already been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can um, put that out there myself is because I have gone through their sex education and they do mostly go into all those areas. There are certain more uh, certain areas they do need to go further into. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they spoke on LGBT issues, it was just a couple quick, maybe one day thing and it didn't go too far into it. Um, and so it is more of now a focus that they do need to go further into it. Um, but now also it adds this whole when they, they spoke about it, they did see that we have already been going into this kind of stuff. Um, and so they, they, up to the point, they do pretty much follow the whole plan already. Um, but like I said, I do think this, uh, there is a further up. We need to look further on to what, is, what parts are kind of being missing out, um, what parts are just being taught for a quick second and that's it, yeah. um, and kind of make sure to work that all of it's being put together. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. And then you mentioned too, so not all school districts have to follow that house bill, or is there, are they, are all school districts now going to be held to the, held to the same standard that they have to actually? Yeah, so it ultimately comes up to the decision of the school board um, on whether or not they want to teach sex ed. Um, that's, I believe that's not one of the curriculums that's required by the State Board of Education. Um, and so the school, local school boards um, have the decision of saying, yes, we're going to continue to teach this, or no, we're not. Um, Harrison, or not Harrison, I apologize, um, District 20 um, has already issued a statement saying, and put out a, a resolution saying they will no longer be teaching sex education because they don't want to have the state controlling what they have to teach. Um, and many people have stated that they do believe this, that 
uh, this was a local issue, that the state should not have stepped in and done anything on this. Um, I myself, I actually went up and testified in support of this bill um, because I didn't see enough of our school districts getting that education. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, um, it's, it's a sad thing that we're able, to, we're able to tell the schools you get to pick and choose what you have to teach. Um, but it's something that's, I guess, really needed nowadays. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and there's also, like, just, like, state and, I guess, like, federal, like, guidelines behind how schools need to operate. I mean, it's always been something that's been discussed. Like, looking back in the, you know, no, no, no student left behind or no school left behind. Uh, I mean, there, that's always been one of those topics of how far should the government or how far should the state go to regulate or how, how important is, like, a standard standardization of testing. Um, what's what's District 11's current like stance on like test standardization? Like, are they do they follow like this sort of like guide that you know you need to meet this certain like threshold of scoring in order to like give your teachers wages or, or give your teachers raises? Like, uh, so that part I'm not 100% certain on. Um, that's something I definitely want, would have to look further into. Um, I do know that um, the standardized testing does go towards, does, does state like how much funding the schools get. Mm -hmm. um, so some, some schools get more funding than others do, um, which is again a little, a little sad aspect. Um, a lot of people have asked me how I feel between um, the teaching to the test. Yeah. Um, and I'm a person, I, I, don't, I don't like that idea. Um, you know, we should not be putting stress on our students of, you need to pass this test. Um, you know, I remember being in high school, and we were told, when we took our tests, um, we were told, if you don't pass this test, you will not graduate high school. Yep. And so all of us were like stressing, oh, we need to pass this test, we need to pass this test, and after the test was done, we talked to the principal, and the principal said, we don't even get these scores back until you're done with high school. We don't get them back until next August. True. And so, um, you it's know, like psychological my, warfare. <laughs> well, one of, one, of my, uh, one of my mentors, um, she's the reason I, one of the reasons I also chose to run for school board, um, she teaches up in Denver. Um, and she actually told me about a story of, she teaches in elementary school, and the, they had a test come up, and the school told her, told them, and came and told the students, if you don't pass this test, your teacher is going to be out of a job. It's like, you, what? You don't tell elementary school yeah. students that, you know? We don't need they to just all that, start crying. Like, <laughs> we don't need to put that type of stress on our students, especially that young of an age, yeah. saying, you must pass this test, or somebody's going to be out of a job, and it's all your fault, you know? We need to make sure that Especially when it comes to tests, if we're going to be like, if we're going to be forcing our students to take these tests, mm -hmm. we need to make sure we are supporting our students during those times. Yeah, you know, because that that is a lot of stress that goes towards our students, especially like our juniors, our students who are juniors in high school, because they have to, they already have to take the ACTs yeah. um, in order to get into colleges, mm -hmm. and they're already stressing about I need to get a perfect score in that, otherwise no college is going to accept me. We don't need to put keep, put more stress on them. Okay, here's another test that you have to do. Yeah, I mean, like, some people, like, I'm a student, I suck at standardized tests. I get freaked out. Like, I my ACT, I don't even remember what my ACT score was, but it was below what I w was wanting for the yeah. college I got into. I mean, I'm just, I, I, and I think a lot of students are like that. Like, they just don't like the pressure that a standardized test, that is so important that you're, 
your graduation and your teacher's salary depends on is, is so you know important. Yeah. So yeah, and that's the case with me. I, I was a student. I I, I could not stand tests. Yeah. Um, I always I, I had intense anxiety. Um, I think there was only once in my life where I got a perfect score on a test, and I was. I, I was like, when I came back from summer break, I was like, Jesus Christ, walking in that school where all the teachers tell me, say, you passed this test, you got the best score out of the whole school, and I'm like, I don't even know what, what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, it, it's something where I hated tests. Yeah. I mean, um, and like, is that really like, too, real, like, real world, like, looking back at like, what I learned in college, and by no means am I going to talk crap against the education system in the University of Minnesota, but like yeah. I don't use the, 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 the sort of like the test, if I was, t if, I, if my job was uh, based off of the test, uh, like it's, it, it's not even comparable, like it's yeah. completely different, like the, the real world skills that I think you learn at school, um, I mean like there's, the basis of the knowledge is important, but it's a lot of it's the way you, you know, communicate and the way you can find solutions. And when it, when it comes down to standardized testing, I like I'm not like I don't like tests, so I personally say we need to get rid of standardized testing. Um, like I said, all I think it does is really stress the students, stress the teachers. Um, it stresses a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I do I do think I do understand that um, the testing does help them understand for the next year where do you need more support. Yeah. But I do think maybe instead of doing a test where we're telling them, oh, you know, if you don't pass this, you're end up doing it. Like doing that, I do think instead we should put together a test. If we want, if we want to do a test where it helps to find where the student needs support, then we need to put together a test that they can take at the beginning of the year, yeah. where it just tells us, okay, they need more support in math. So maybe this year we don't make them take an English class and they can take two math classes. So that way they have that support. You know. Um, I, I think that's the best, like one of the best options that we can do. Um, unfortunately, when it comes to the state, the standardized testing that does come from the state board of education again um, on what exactly we we can and can't do. Um, there are some students who have been able to excuse themselves. Um, moreover, lately I've heard about like they're they're no longer allowing parents to excuse students from testing. Um, and I mean, this is ultimately the case of. The testing does set forward the budget that each school district gets. Yeah. It does set forward the. It does show which schools are succeeding and which schools need more help. Yeah. Um, which again, I, I'm not the biggest fan of saying this school is failing and this school this school is going doing great. Especially you when know? you like if you give them more funding, then like or if you restrict their funding if they're doing poor. Yeah. How does that help them? Exactly. So I, I, I ultimately think what we, we need to do is we need to be, um, those schools that are getting poor test scores, we need to be supporting them. Yeah. Um, and we need to be pouring more money into that school over anything, so that way that school can have the support that they need. Yeah. You know, um, whether it's like, when it comes close to test time, bringing in more tutors so then the students can have that one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Yeah. When they can't go with the teacher, they can get with a, a math tutor and get the, that worked with them in order to know this is what the math problem is. Yeah. Uh, and it fully prepares them for the test. Yeah. And uh, something else I, I remember, something that came up in, Col in Colorado pretty recently, I think it was at least this year or last year, uh, certain like rural areas are starting to restrict the number of school days um, just due to budget budgetary reasons or, or whatnot. But I think like there are certain school districts that have gone down from 
five days to four days. I think like they have a Friday or a Monday off. Yeah. Um, how? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so I I don't like the idea of doing that. Um, ultimately, just because all um, you know, as high schoolers, it's an easy thing for them um, yeah. because parents can leave their high school home. Um, when it comes to elementary schoolers and middle schoolers, parents can't really. They're they're too young. They can't just yeah. be like, all right, I'm going to work. Take care of yourself. Um, you know, so then they have to pay for a daycare, or they have to pay for um, a babysitter, or they have to do all this, and it takes a lot of money out of their hands. Um, there are a, there are quite a few schools within District 11 that are on the low monetary spectrum. Mm-hmm. They don't have much money, um, and so by making it where they have to do something like this, of you have to go purchase your child to go to daycare, you have to purchase your child is doing this. It's just adding on to their budget restrictions. Um, And so I I think, I do not support making it where our students have go down to that. Um, I do support if it comes down to anything of wanting to change the the way things are going. Uh, I do support maybe changing class class times. Um, uh, It has statistically shown that um, when it comes to high schoolers, um, if they get around the next hour, students start school around 8.30 to 7.30. Yeah. They're more, they're more paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I think, I think maybe having it where we have had it where maybe the elementary school students start earlier, and then the middle school starts, and then the high school starts. And then the same thing, they, the elementary schools kind of get out of the world earlier. Yeah. Middle school and then the high school. It makes a it makes a full on difference. Yeah. You know, um, adding in making making that change so that way our students are coming to school for here. They have high schoolers have that extra hour. Instead of starting at seven thirty, they have that time to get up, they can study for tests if they need to. They can yeah. if they need more rest, they're able to sleep in a little bit. Mm-hmm. It gives them the opportunity to do, to do a lot more instead of just having to get up rush to school. You know, some of our students the only time they get a meal is breakfast and lunch at the schools. And so giving them that extra time to go and get breakfast yeah. and actually be able to eat that breakfast and to fully digest it, that's something of very much importance because that actually helps them go and succeed throughout the day. Yeah. You know, I remember again when it came to test time, I there everyone's like, Oh, you have to eat a healthy breakfast and show up and then they would only give us like a thirty minute breakfast and I'm like, I'm trying to scarf this down and going in to do a test and I'm actually bringing stuff with me to the test. I have some fruit in my hand and yeah. a drink in my hand, and I'm like, it's you know, it's it's a great thing to have that opportunity. But you know, giving our students that time to actually eat, eat a good meal and actually be able to digest that, it's it's of, of the most importance. To me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time again. So you're running for District 11. This that's coming up. The election's actually coming up this year, right? This November. Um, so ballots were sent out on the 11th. Yeah. Um, everyone should receive them by this upcoming Friday, which is what day is that? Uh, uh, I'm better with numbers. <laughs> Today's the Soon. 13th. Anyways, it should be here yeah. uh, the Friday after October 13th. Um, the 20th. And uh, if, if no one has received them by then, they should contact the Secretary of State or the Clerk and Recorder's Office to find out what's going on. Um, it may be a matter of they were list, they were put down as an inactive registered voter, yeah. um, or they may have moved addresses and never updated their registration. Um, but if they haven't got it by this Friday, they should contact the Secretary of State or Clerk and Recorder to get that fixed. Um, 
And then, yeah, they can. I'm the third down on the ballot underneath Mary Coleman and Darlene Daniels. Um, so, my, um, yeah. And you go for like three or something. Four. Four. So there's four seats up for election. Um, they have the opportunity. They can. They can just vote for one if they'd like. Um, they can. They. It's not required that they vote for all four. Yeah. Um, they can just vote for one and send it back that way, or they can vote for two, three, four, however they feel. Um, but if they vote. Vote past four. Um, it will be invalid. Alright, so, so keep it at four, four or less. So anyway, yeah. thank you for your time. Yeah, uh, you. Good luck. Thanks. So that was Joseph Shelton, who again is on the current ballot running for school board district eleven. Uh mail in ballot should have actually been sent out already, so you should get that uh last week, this week or hopefully by next week for sure. Uh make sure that's turned in by November fifth. I just wanna like close with something that Joseph talked and I talked about after this interview, which I thought was really meaningful. Uh, at one point, Joseph was asked, you know, why is he running for this position? People on school boards it, don't get paid. There's no salary associated with this job. And his answer was just, you know, truthfully, he just wants to make a difference in the community and make a difference for District 11. And I mean, I think that's really what we need in future elected officials, people who actually don't aren't in it for themselves or aren't in it to try to make a profit, uh, but truly just, you know, want to make the world a better place or make, you know, their school system a better place. So, you know, I think that's really a testament to his character and, uh, again, wish him all the best in this upcoming election. Thank you. Uh, we'll have more interviews in the future, so make sure you like and subscribe, <laughs> and I'll see you next time. Bye.